here today. And uh, as they make their way out, I have a surprise for you today, Redemption Hill. Okay, so everyone in the room, online, I have a special, special uh, surprise for you. And that is a, a special guest I want to invite out right now. All right, her name is, yes, Marsha Turley. Give it up for my wife. Is this woman not beautiful? Oh, come on, inside, inside and out. And um, we just want to have a little fun here this morning. So uh, I just, we don't have time to get into our whole story of how we met, and it's a beautiful story. And, you know, I just want to say on behalf of Marcia that there were so many things. You could probably use the word countless. Countless things about me that just impressed her so much. That's right. <laughs> but... As she had the courage to tell me a little bit later, um, there were one or two things that she was not impressed by, all right? So, Marcia, why don't you enlighten the crowd on just one of those areas of my life that, you know, maybe needed a little work. All right, so one of the areas that really shocked me whenever I got to know him was his level of cleanliness. And it, his apartment was disgusting. And so I'll give you a few examples um, I went to his apartment one time, and I was like, okay, I'm going to impress him. I'm going to uh, wash his dishes for him. <laughs> and so I'm digging through, washing all the dishes in the sink, and all of a sudden, like at the end of a rainbow, when you reach the pot of gold, I reached the bottom, and it was moldy, hairy, blue, gray for yogurt. Real? Yes, for oh, real. Oh. <laughs> that had been left in there for weeks. That's embarrassing. And right. it, there was no garbage disposal, so I had to discard of it. it wasn't okay, like let's move out of the kitchen. Where, where, what else? No, 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 one more. Okay, do y'all know the, um, the um, George Foreman's that you would just put a piece of frozen chicken on and smash it down? And then the little tray with the drippings and everything and the chicken juice? Well, he would leave that and cook on it multiple times without cleaning it. So that was disgusting. Okay, last one. Last this is one. bad. I'm about to leave the stage and, right and, now. Feeling, and, feeling, and last one insecure. is that uh, there were multiple times where I walked by his bed. He did not make his bed, and he had a huge window beside his bed. And there would be spiders in his bed to which he said. Those are my pets. <laughs> Those were his pets. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> All right, so, um, so, so to compare your level of cleanliness with my level, could you just give us a few, like, words to mm, do? It doesn't. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, but but I, have, I have grown, right? Yes, you've grown a, a lot. A lot. Did you hear that? I've grown a lot, right? So yeah, you, you can clap. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, um, so, so last, last, last question. Um, one of your spiritual gifts is purging mm -hmm. items out of our home. It just matches with her expertise and cleanliness. So um, could you just give us a little flavor of how great you are at purging items out All right. of our home. So if you need your closet cleaner, if you need to throw something away, or if you need to feel free in your life, I'm telling you, just throw stuff away. Throw it away. Big bags, <laughs> chunk it. I mean, I, I love seeing my trunk full of stuff that I just go and throw in those bins. And you feel lighter automatically. So if you need help, I've got you. All right. All right. Thank you, Marcia. <laughs> Let's give it up for Marcia. Uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal woman. Phenomenal interview. 
Um, she, I mean, I don't know how many valuable things she's thrown away in our home. It's more than a couple probably. Uh, but she is an expert with like kids' toys and just like they're gone, you know. And, and the, 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 my tra trashed up collected drawers, you know. She's like, she just loves to clean and organize. She actually says that she feels like it's therapeutic for her, you know. So I don't feel that level of therapy in my life. Uh, but I definitely do a lot more around the house. And I do uh, try to... Um, you know, not, not match her level, but come close. You know what I'm saying? I, just, I do my best. Um, well, you know, I have some good news for you today uh, that while, yes, there are things in our lives that we collect that ultimately we would say, you know, they, they, they don't hold their value or uh, they, they know, we no longer feel the same way about them. So we, you know, get rid of them, we discard them, we haul them off to goodwill, whatever. Okay. In the kingdom of God, God's perspective of his plans and especially his people is that he would never, ever dispense of us. He would never get rid. In fact, he would say to each one of us today, you are indispensable. You are indispensable. I love what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says. You might want to write this down today, okay. It says that we are God's workmanship. It means like we are his work of art. The Greek word is poema. Like what we're writing a poem. We are God's masterpiece, his work of art. And as God's workmanship, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that, check this out, God has prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And so I just want to ask you as we get into God's word today, as we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, do you view yourself as indispensable to the kingdom of God and even to put it a little more specifically, this church? Because what Paul will tell us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that each and every one of us, listen, you are indispensable. You are indispensable and God has a plan for each one of us. So let me read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read all the way through verse 20. So uh, starting in verse 12 through verse 20, this is what Paul writes. He says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body... That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, 
yet one body. Today, I want to give you one truth with one follow-up encouragement out of that truth, okay? So one truth, one follow-up encouragement out of that truth. The, the first truth I want to share with you, the one truth I want to share is this, that you are an indispensable part of this church, all right? You are an indispensable part of this church. When Paul gets done talking about uh, the, his beginning commentary on uh, spiritual gifts and how you, we've talked about this so many times through each one is given a manifestation, a display of God, the Spirit, as we exercise and serve uh, with our gifts, then he goes into this metaphor comparing the, the local church, a, gr- a collection of people who follow Jesus with the human body to make his point about unity and diversity and how we all have a part to play in God's church. You see, just as the body is composed of different parts, legs and arms, elbows and knees, eyes and ears, hands and feet, okay, God has arranged different people to be a part of his church But we are united, we are all one, just like members of one body, through faith in Jesus Christ. So when two people who are following Jesus see that they're both following Jesus together, then they come together for the same vision, the same mission, the same endeavors every day to what? Follow Jesus and be more and more and more like Jesus. Let me just say this, okay. This sermon is not about, you know, unity in the church and all the ways that this can go awry and all the different, you know, things that we see across the church. You've probably been in churches where there's divisiveness over this and divisiveness over that. And and they're, they're important conversations to be had, no doubt about it, all right. But, but fundamentally, we are followers of Jesus Christ. So, so if we're not talking about like deep doctrinal matters or, you know, things that may pull us into a real just different vision, then let's unite around the fact that we both love Jesus and we are both following him with all of our heart. So when more and more people come together who are following Jesus, we then see how we are a united and yet beautiful diversity. And Paul argues this with a theological point or two as he moves into verse 13. This is what he says. For, okay, so in other words, like, hey, here's the evidence. Here's the proof that though you are many parts, you are part of one body. He says, for in one spirit, we are all baptized into one Body. So let's just pause right here and have a little conversation, okay? When, when most of the time when people think about baptism, we think about what we're going to see a little bit later today, water baptism. When someone decides to follow Jesus, they have the opportunity to show what God has done inside of them, that he has moved them from spiritual death to spiritual life. He has cleansed them of their sin. They are completely changed from the inside out. And this is what we celebrate in water baptism. But Paul is not talking about water baptism here. He is talking about spirit baptism. We see he says it so clearly here. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. 
So, so let me explain how this works. Uh, as people hear the word of God, the spirit shows us how real Jesus is, how much he loves us, what he has done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. And he leans our heart into the place where we would say, yes, Jesus, you are who you say you are, and I want to follow you and give my life to you and your purposes. And so when someone responds to the gospel, it is evidence that God has touched them by his spirit. He has given them his Holy Spirit. And now that man or woman, boy or girl is now following Jesus because God has covered them in his Holy Spirit. The word baptize means to immerse. It means to, to take under. That's why we take people all the way under the water and bring them up out of the water when we baptize them. And this is what it's like when you come to Christ and God baptizes. He completely covers us with his Holy Spirit. And then as the verse goes on, he uses another metaphor to basically say the same thing at the end. He says, for we are all made to drink of one spirit. In other words, we take the spirit in. When we believe in Jesus, the spirit enters and fills and permeates us completely. But this would be a good time for us to ask the question, which is a very important question, particularly when we're talking about the same God working in the ways that he did in the first century. And he is not pouring out just a few of his gifts, but all of the gifts that we see in the New Testament. If you missed last uh, Sunday sermon, we said we believe miraculous gifts are for today. It's a super important uh, sermon for you to, to hear if you're wrestling with that and asking questions. Or even if you're not, go back and listen to last week. Super important for our church family. But, but even as we seek to understand all that the Holy Spirit is doing, we need to understand that there is one baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is so important to point out because there are some traditions in the church, particularly uh, classic Pentecostalism, where they would say you should expect in your Christian journey to have multiple, like a, at least a second baptism of the Holy Spirit where the Spirit comes on you again and that would give uh, evidence of your salvation and also like empower you for ministry. But the evidence of that second baptism is speaking in tongues. And why this is so problematic, why I want to talk about it so explicitly today is that along with this belief, sometimes, and listen, there are so many uh, charismatic churches, Assembly of God churches, so many Assembly of God friends who would, who would subscribe to this doctrine um, that, are, that are awesome believers who love Christ, all right? Uh, but, but what can happen here, the, the most extreme dangers... Really, none of the, the AG friends that I have met or hung out with would say this, but, but some like classic Pentecostalism, some of the, the earlier traditions would say like, hey, if you don't experience a second baptism, you might not be saved. Or what's, what's better but not great because it's not biblical is that, well, if you haven't experienced a second baptism, then, you know, you must not have like a depth of maturity in Christ. You, there's something missing. You need to still seek after something that God wants to give you. And you say, well, Pastor Tanner, why don't you believe in a second baptism? I mean, we read the book of Acts and we see these, these moments. Like I've explained that in other sermons. Don't have time today. Um, but, but just quite frankly, why in terms of this chapter is twofold in two verses. We see in verse 13 right here, Paul clearly states that everyone who is 
following Jesus has been baptized in the spirit. That's number one. But then number two, he goes on in verse 28 and he says, do all speak in tongues? And we're going to see that's a rhetorical question saying, no, they don't. The anticipated answer is no, not, not everyone is going to speak in tongues. And so, listen, while we do not believe in a second baptism, we do believe in many fellings of the Holy Spirit. I think what, what some, some Pentecostal churches experience in, 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 in terms of the, the movement of the Spirit should not be called baptisms, a second baptism of the Spirit, but they should be called fillings of the Holy Spirit. So we believe that spirit baptism happens once at conversion, but spirit fillings should happen many times over the course of a believer's life. Even Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you translate that out literally in the Greek, it would be translated, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, and we say this so often, even outside of when we're talking about spiritual gifts, we're just talking about the Christian life. We're just talking about following Jesus. We're just talking about bearing spiritual fruit. Listen, there is nothing that we can do of spiritual good. We have no spiritual benefit to offer anyone else if it does not come from God's spirit within us. And so we need the Holy Spirit to be filling us up day by day. You can think about this in two ways. We want to pursue the steady filling of the Spirit as we walk in the Spirit and we follow Jesus where we have power for life. We have the, 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 the desire and the will to follow what Jesus says. But, but not only that, as we're filled with the Spirit, sometimes we're going to experience these what are more like spontaneous moments of empowerment or filling where maybe God calls us to step out and serve with our gifts and we are just overwhelmed by the sense of the presence of God equipping us to do what it is that God has called us to do. It can even be in moments of intimacy with God where God just fills you up so much. It's like a Romans 5.5 moment where it says that the Holy Spirit is shed abroad in our hearts because the love of God has been poured out into us. And so we believe in many fillings of the Spirit that we should chase after them every single day. But what is Paul teaching us here? What does he want us to see? There is a beautiful unity in the church because we make up one body. But there is also a beautiful diversity because not one person is the same. I mean, this, I love this truth because, listen, this is so true. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a, a house church of like 20 people or a church like roughly our size, 200 people. Or you're talking about 2,000, 20,000. Okay, it doesn't matter from 20 to 20,000. Okay, not one person is the same. And Paul illustrates this by saying, look, um, in Christ... There is a diversity of people. He says uh, in verse 12, look at this. He says there are Jews and Greeks. There are, there are uh, bond servants and free. In other words, there are all different ethnicities in the church. There are all different uh, backgrounds and experiences. And we love this. We love this. every From the very beginning we said we want to be a thumbprint of our community. We want young and old. We want uh, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different educational experiences, all of this. We want everyone coming together to follow Jesus together. 
because we all bring something different to the, to the, to the team. We all bring uh, uh, something that we can learn from one another as well as these different gifts. And that's why it grieves us. It grieves our hearts so deeply when we see what's happened in Buffalo over the past week with the racially motivated hate crimes and the killing of these innocent people. And so we want to we promote the, the diversity of the church. We want to pray for the diversity of the church. We want to pray that our world, by God's common goodness and grace, would reflect these beautiful pictures that we find in his gospel, wherever we are. And so today, listen, unity is actually a possibility because we have diversity. I mean, think about that. Like, you, you couldn't have unity if everyone was just exactly the same. Like, there would, you would already be unified, right? But because there, is, there are differences, because we all bring something different to the table, now the possibility of unity is actually there. And, and Paul says, look, uh, I need you to understand the part you play has value. If God, let's think about this. If God gives you an assignment, if God gives you a gift, that, that gift and that assignment has inherent value because that gift and assignment comes from God. There were some in Corinth who were saying, clearly, you don't need me. This is what Paul says in verses 15 and, and 16. Hey, because, because I'm a foot, you don't need me. Because I'm an eye, you don't need me. And, and we see that there was this, these feelings of inferiority in the church. People felt less than. People felt unnecessary. People felt like their contribution didn't matter. Perhaps you've had these thoughts. Oh, I just helped set up the kids' space. I don't sing on stage, so my gift, like, mm, you know, it just really, it doesn't matter that much. Oh, I just greet people in the lobby. My gift isn't that special. Well, did you know that most people, when they come to a new church, they'll decide if they want to come back in the first seven minutes? Did you know that? Or maybe you would say, oh, I just care for hurting people. People don't see, you know, all of the prayer and all of the follow-up and all of the checking in that I do behind the scenes. My role is just not that important in the life of this church. Can I make a plea with you this morning? Can we take I just out of our vocabulary? I mean, I, I want to pose to you, and I know this is like straight up, okay, but, uh, but we just try to keep it real, every dimension, okay? I just is demonic language. And I know it's like, oh, there's demons, you know, like, but, but no, 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 like, Satan is the father of lies, so, so when we say things like, oh, I just, like our gift doesn't matter. Listen, that is a lie and it is an insult to our good father. Every gift that God gives us, no matter what gift you have, listen, it is a gift from God. And James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift is from the father of life. Listen, your gift or your gifts, they matter. You are an indispensable part of this church. I love what Paul says as he goes on. He says, look in verse 17, he says, uh, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of, of hearing be? I mean, can you just imagine if, if your whole body was an eye? 
I mean, just visualize that for one moment, okay? You would have incredible vision and you would just roll around everywhere, you know? <laughs> how, how would that be? Or, or if your, your whole body was an arm, you know, I, I guess we just like look like trees and do nothing, right? So it's like, Paul is saying, look, you all have a part to play as, because why? Verse 18, but as it is God arranged, God arranged the members in the body, each one, say that's me. You know I love to do this, all right? Each one, say that's me. That's you. Each one as he chose. And so to function properly, this church and every church needs every member, every person in the church coming and bringing their respective gifts so that we can be all that God has called us to be and wants us to be by his grace. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so listen, number one, you are an indispensable part of this church. But then number two, because you are an indispensable part of this church, let me encourage you to play your indispensable part. Play your indispensable part. Look at verses 21 through 31. Paul goes on and he says this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, here it is, are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If verses 14 through 20 speak to the feelings of inferiority that we feel, and by the way, let me just put on the table, okay, right here, we all feel inferior at times. We all do. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how like, much you bring to the table, okay? The people that you don't think have feelings of inferiority, I promise you, they do. But just as we have feelings of inferiority, so we can also have feelings of superiority. No one can say, you don't need me, but also no one can say, I don't need you. And that is clearly what seems to be going on in the church of Corinth because there were some 
it seems from the context of what Paul has already said of the first part of chapter 12, as well as verse, chapters 13 and 14, that there were some who were elevating certain gifts, likely the more miraculous gifts in nature, and they were saying, hey, these are the super important gifts. Oh, you know, that, that person, they can heal people. And oh, did you, say, did you hear about the miracle that, you know, that person did? And it's like, these are so important, but these other ones are not as important. In other words, some gifts got the spotlight while others got the shade. Some got the flowers while others were left behind. And what Paul is trying to do here, what he's telling us as a church is, is what we're articulating in our vision statement this year where we say we see a church full of people. We're just going to keep saying this until we see it more and more and more. Thank God for the ways that we already see it. But we see a church full of people gifted by God's spirit for the good of others. That's what we see. And, and as we see this church full of God's people, what, what, what's going to happen? It says this, as each person's unique design is discovered, lived, and celebrated with equal excitement, we will collectively take thousands of joyful steps to serve others. And so as we think about what it looks like to celebrate one another, to celebrate the various ways that we serve in the body of Christ and in the mission of God, I just want to point out really quickly that Feelings of inferiority and feelings of superiority, they come from the same source. You see, when, when we feel like we are less than others or we feel like we are better than others because of whatever, we are showing that we really have the same issue that we are finding our identity, we are finding our sense of worth and sense of value in what we do. Or what other people think about us. So there are some other lies and, that we need to hear that bring identity confusion into the lives of people. Yes, even followers of Jesus that would say, I am what I do. Like what, whatever it is I do, this is what gives me value. This is what brings me importance. And if I do it well, I'm, it's even better. Or I am what people think. Like if they think I'm great, I'm great. If they don't think I'm great, I'm not great. But the truth of the matter is, is this, we are who God says we are. We are who God says we are. We are sons and daughters of God. We are loved more than we can imagine. God loves us. God has given us himself and we have everything we need no matter what way we serve in his family. Our identity is in Christ, and that changes everything. Your gift, listen, your gift flows from the fact that God has baptized you in his spirit. You have drank of the Holy Spirit. You have been changed from the inside out. And now whatever gift that God has given you and however you serve and wherever you serve and whenever you serve, okay, listen, your gift looks good. Your gift is making a difference. I love how Paul puts it in verses 22 and 23. Listen carefully to the wording here. You probably read this so many times and maybe missed this one and two words that are so important. What does he say? He says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that what? Seem to be weaker. Are what? They are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable we bestow the greater honor. 
You see, we may, it may seem like certain gifts are less than. It may seem like certain gifts do not deserve the same level of honor. But that's only how things seem. It doesn't match the reality of the situation. God is saying every gift has value. Every gift should be celebrated with equal excitement. In God's kingdom, listen, and his kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. He says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He says that those who serve are the greatest, not those who are being served. And it makes me think about my guy Chip Brown. I mean, this, this, this brother, I've talked about him before, but I'll never get tired of talking about Chip Brown. Chip was a volunteer in our student ministry. And I probably had a little bit of feelings of superiority, like, oh, man, I'm the youth intern. Which after you're an intern for 10 years, you kind of understand, like, that's not a super glorious role, all right? But it, that's another conversation. Uh, but, but Chip Brown was showing up, and he didn't ever have the microphone, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't like, you know, Pedro and Steve and Nate up here on the stage leading songs and all this, okay? But he just showed up, and he hung out in the background. And you would find Chip just kind of speaking to people and bringing a kind or encouraging word just in his humble way. And then... And then after everything was over, you wouldn't find Chip with a microphone, but you would find him with a, a broom. And he would clean up. And he would, I, I share this with a community this past week, he would fight you for that broom. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he loved to serve God so much. He wouldn't let you steal his joy by not letting him do what he loved to do and was called to do. He was the one setting up. He was the one tearing down. And I'm telling you, heaven lights up over the chip browns of the kingdom. Heaven lights up. Churches move forward. The, the, the mission of God moves forward because God has Equipped and called people like Chip Brown. It takes all of us in God's kingdom as we care for one another, as we suffer together and rejoice together. Whatever role you play, listen, it is important, it is indispensable, and God is calling us all to continue to step out and to serve in our church, in our homes, in our workplaces. I mean, let's, I just, if you have the Holy Spirit... Is the Holy Spirit with you at work? Yes. Then, then, then go exercise your gifts in the workplace. Go exercise your spiritual gifts in your home. If you have the gift of encouragement, then just unload it on your family and your friends and your roommates. I'm telling you, just like the church gets strengthened, they might get a little strengthened too because your gifts are with you wherever you go. So keep playing your indispensable part. I, Paul goes on and he illustrates this in verses 27 through 31. And look what he does here. He puts this, the gifts that seem to be weaker with the gifts that seem to be stronger. He puts the, the, the more miraculous gifts with those that seem less miraculous. Though what we're saying at Redemption Hill is, guess what? Every gift is supernatural. Why? Because it is from the Holy Spirit. God, the divine at work within you, no matter what the gift is. Look at, look at what Paul says. He goes on. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. 
And what I want to do just for a few moments is I want to work through each one of these gifts quickly because I've already covered basically all but one. All right, and we're going to cover a few of them more in the next coming uh, couple of weeks. But, but let's just make sure we understand them since we're here working through this text. Okay, so what are apostles? Apostles are those that expand the mission. Apostles take new ground. Apostles move the mission forward. Then prophets are those that communicate God's heart. They receive messages often spontaneously from God, and they communicate those messages to others. Then we have teachers. Teachers explain God's truth with clarity and relevance. And and you may ask, okay, uh, well, Paul, why did you say first apostles, second prophets, then teachers? And one of the conclusions we could draw is like, okay, Paul is saying that some gifts are more important than others, first apostles, second prophets, then teachers, and then everyone else. But I think you already know because you're so attentive today and you're leaning in to what God is speaking to us is that that would contradict everything Paul just said. He's not saying apostles are more important or prophets or teachers are more important. What he's giving us is, is essentially how God's mission moves forward. Apostles go into new territories and they spread the word and they establish new churches and Prophets are communicating God's heart and people are getting their attention grabbed by God as prophets do their work and speak messages from God. And then teachers come in and as people have been saved by these apostles and prophets, then teachers disciple and they teach God's word so that people can be built up. I think that's what's going on with the first three. But then what about miracles? Miracles are extraordinary events that are unexplainable by natural causes. Gifts of healing are, is, refers to restoring health apart from natural means. We're praying for this. We're expecting to see this when we pray on Sundays at fire nights where we pray over people and God actually touches them in those moments and they walk out changed physically, mentally, emotionally healed. Oh God, we believe. We believe, Lord. Then there are helps, helping gifts, or you can see here, I'm grouping this together with service, okay? Some people would say, oh, they're a little different, and they may be a little different, but I think essentially they're the same. We talked about service when we covered Romans chapter 12. Servants and helpers, they give time and energy to meet the needs of others. That's those with the gifts of helps. But then then we have this next gift, which we have not heard yet, and that is administration. What is administration? I wish Pastor Reddy was up here to to explain this because he understands it so well. Administrators align resources to achieve common goals. All right, So, so when we think about administration, we may think like, hey, these are just the people that get stuff done. These are the people that you can give them like a task list a mile long and then like you come back a couple hours left, they're like, what's next? You know what I'm saying? Like we got a lot of work to do. Let's just get it done. Okay, so... It can include that, but that's not really what administration is. Administrators pull the various resources of a group of people together and they organize them and align them so that the the vision that we see, whether we're talking about a community event or beyond the horizon kind of vision for a church 10 years and beyond, okay, the administrators see the vision, but then they can only see the vision, but they can make the the decisions and and take the steps for the strategic plan to actually accomplish that vision. And I mentioned Pastor Reddy because Pastor John G. Reddy is a gifted administrator. 
He brings such an ability to take the resources of our church. You see this, if you're in his community group, you know Pastor Reddy is an administrator. He organizes all the parts. He gets people, you know, where they need to be and everyone's serving together and it's so beautiful. I'm just telling you, and if you're anything like me, okay, you just, you're on your knees, God, thank you for the administrators in my life. Is anyone there? I mean, God, thank you. Oh, wait, don't say it. It may seem like a, a weaker gift, but no, 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 no. God, it's so important because your mission doesn't move forward without the administrators. Administrators, they bring order to our chaos. I mean, they make us sane. People like me, I need administrators in my life. Administrators, they're like a, a warm hug on a rainy day for me. You know what I'm saying? It's just like I can, I can have all this, you know, dreams and visions and God, let's go do it. And, and then, you know, Pastor John was great like this too, more of an administrator than I am. And it's like, how are we going to do it? Like we we kind of need a plan here. We kind of need Seth Plackey. Wow, the gift of administration just pulls it all together, organizes it. I mean, when I'm hanging out with Seth, this dude blows my mind. He blows my mind. I'm like, Seth, I need you in my life. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of our church. So we need people who align God's resources to achieve the goals that God sets before us. But then tongues. We, we talked about this a bit last week. We'll talk a lot more about it the next couple of weeks. That speaking a language unknown to the speaker. Interpretation of tongues is explaining an unknown language. And as we pointed out, these verses, Paul is asking, especially when we get to 29 and 30, he is asking these questions rhetorically. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all have gifts of healing? Does everyone speak in tongues? And the implied answer is no, not everyone does. And this teaches us that no one has every gift. This teaches us that not everyone is going to speak in tongues. Though I think as we'll see in chapter 14, a lot more probably uh, could that are but aren't expecting it. And then it also teaches us and it emphasizes the beauty of God's diverse and strategic arrangement of his gifts. And then you say, well, well Tanner, what about verse uh, 31? That's kind of that's interesting. It says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Well, what are, the, what are the higher gifts? Why would Paul say this when he's, when he's saying they're all honorable, they're all, I, I, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> but I think based on what he's communicated here, he would say the higher gifts are the ones that are seemingly weaker. They, they, they're not as prone to bringing pride in our lives, but, but they are there to just serve and build up others in their humble ways. And so as we bring our time to a close, I want to ask you this. How are you using your God-given abilities to serve and strengthen others? If you follow Jesus, God has given you his Holy Spirit. And if God has given you his Holy Spirit, then he has given you gifts to serve other people. The question is, how are you serving with your gifts? The primary way we organize serving together at Redemption Hill is through our teams. And our hope as people connect with RHC, we always say we want to see everyone. And when we say everyone, we mean everyone connect with a group because Sundays are great, but doing life together on more than Sundays is even better. But also we don't want to just see people connect with groups. We want to see people serve with teams. Why is that? 
It's because God has made us all an indispensable part of his plan. And so listen, we have so many people. In fact, I would say for for, for, for in terms of like benchmarks of, of, of what's common in churches, I would say, and this is to celebrate, we have, I would say, a, a much above average participation in the life of, of our church when it comes to serving on teams. So if you serve on a team, can we just clap for everyone that serves on a team in Redemption Hill? I mean, it is so encouraging to see the number of people that are serving on the various teams. Sunday teams, but also teams outside of Sundays. So I want to encourage you with this. Listen, if, if you are kind of new to Redemption Hill and you've never stepped in to serve with one of our teams, or maybe it's been a while, maybe you've hit a pause and you've taken a breather, which is so good, and we applaud that and want to make space for that when that's needed. But, but if, you've, if you've never stepped into service or it's been a while since you served on particularly one of our Sunday teams, we want to let you know there are opportunities for you to serve. Redemption Kids is teaching kids the the gospel. They're pointing people to Jesus. They're caring for our children. Music and AV teams make everything beautiful and sound great on Sundays. And yes, certain roles need certain skills, but there are a lot of roles that you just need a willingness to learn and we'll get you ready to go. Our venue and connections team, they get everything set up so that people feel not just a hospitable environment, but they can literally feel the love of God when they come into this place. I mean, we're talking about a high school here. Some days there's not a lot of love going around at Medford High, but on Sundays, there is. Because of the great work that our connections and venue teams do week by week. And so if you call Redemption at home, you never jumped on a Sunday team, we want to encourage you, jump in today. Sign up to serve today. And even if you're new, I know some of you are like brand new, came on Easter, comes in the last couple months or whatever. Listen, uh, you may just want to kind of ease your way in, and that's great. We, we give space for that. But even if you would say, hey, I'll, I'll serve one time this summer just to kind of get a taste of what it's like. Most of our t- team participants serve once a month. Some have a desire to serve more than that. Others have less of a capacity to serve once a month. Whatever is best for your life and schedule, we will work with you. But the point is this. You are indispensable. God has a plan for each one of us. That as we serve, other people are strengthened and built up. And God's mission advances so that more and more people can learn who our God is. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that we are all needed, we are all necessary, we are all indispensable. God, we thank you that we are your workmanship, we are your masterpiece, we are your uh, beautiful work of art, and that you didn't just invite us into a relationship so that we could get our ticket to heaven punched, but you actually prepared before we were even saved into a relationship with you, you have good works prepared for us just to walk in them day by day. So God, we pray that you would open our eyes to see our value because our value comes from you. Made in your image, assigned in the different ways that you call us to serve the people around us, whether that's in our church or at home or wherever it is, the workplace, a neighborhood. God, we, we look forward to more and more. 
a release of gifts. God, by your spirit, you would move us out. And we wouldn't, sometimes we wouldn't even realize that we're, we're serving in our gifting. We just, all of a sudden, we look back and it's like, wow, that was an encouraging moment. Oh, wow, I prayed for them. And then two weeks later, they said they felt different. They were changed. God, we believe that you desire to use us in ways beyond our expectation. So, God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for all that you're doing in the life of our church. We thank you for all that you're doing in the city of Boston and across New England and in the world. And God, let this be a stepping forward season. Let us, let us step forward together, celebrating one another and valuing one another and encouraging one another and praying for one another. That no one would be caught just on the sidelines watching, but that we would all play our indispensable parts. So Father, we commit ourselves to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.